people's attention spans are so short. So if we're serving them a 17-page ebook versus a snack-sized piece of visual content, the odds that they're going to understand and have that immediate aha moment or comprehension moment with the micro content's much higher. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to the Traffic Jam Podcast. This is show number 72. Thanks for joining me today for yet another episode. I'm back in the groove of recording and happy to share another awesome show with you today. But before we get to the meaty part of the episode, I want to say a quick thank you to Gunn Hudson, who left a five-star iTunes review. And Gunn said, the podcast is full of great information. I like the music at the end. A real nice break from the business talk, which adds real character. So thank you to you, Gunn. Really appreciate that. I would really appreciate your comments and reviews on iTunes as well. Just a quick reminder that you can do that very easily by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes. Or if you prefer to leave your review on Stitcher, trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So what's coming up on today's show? Well, in the spotlight today, we're going to be talking about micro content, small snackable content pieces that are both quick to produce and easy for your audience to consume. Now, we're going to be talking about how to create micro content both quickly and easily, when and where to use micro content and how to use that micro content to drive traffic from your content pieces through to your website. Now, our expert guest guiding us through the process is Jake Burkett, who's a serial software startup guy now involved with a company called Column 5, who created, in fact, a micro content creation tool called Visage. And this is a tool that my team have been enjoying using for the past few months or so. So I guess without any further ramblings from me, let's get stuck into today's show. We're joined, as I say, by Jake Burkett from Visage. Welcome back, Traffic Jam listeners. This is show number 72 of the Traffic Jam podcast. And today we're joined by Jake Burkett. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, James. Great to have you on the call. We're going to be diving into a different topic this week. We're going to be talking about micro content. So I guess we should probably open up the show with what is micro content? Just give us a quick lowdown on what that format is. Sure, absolutely. So micro content's typically classified. Um, it it kind of came from um, the larger long form content. So if when you when you think about white papers or reports or ebooks or presentations or infographics, um, you know micro content are are little snapshots. They could be data driven. They could be just illustrative. They could be diagrams. But they're communicating a concept that doesn't need a lot of extra support. So, um, you know, at the same time, then you also get some benefits there because they don't take, uh, you know, a piece of micro content may, may not take the amount of time to produce that the longer form content will. So that's just kind of in a nutshell um, how we think about micro content. Perfect. Well, I guess to 
probably frame that. Maybe we can give some examples of what micro content might look like. What are its typical formats? Well, typically, uh, the most common type of micro content will be static design. Um, you also see examples of animated GIFs, or uh, in some in some rare cases, you'll see interactive or dynamic um, content, visual content um, appearing in the form of kind of micro content. But for the most part, uh, at least right now, um, the static design tends to be the largest uh, kind of you know uh, carrier of uh, what micro content is. And again. Um, as I mentioned before, that doesn't necessarily have to be um, data-driven. It's just very common to see uh, little data stories being told in the form of micro-content, but these it could include things like uh, a customer testimonial or a notable quote from a thought leader in a specific industry um, or a illustration um, that, that kind of correlates to what the marketer or communications professional wants to talk about. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we've got a, a couple of things coming up here. One is that the content tells a story in and of itself. I mean, it's a short, very consumable piece of content. But another little line of sort of um, tact you picked up on was that it should also probably be quite easy to produce. Would you say that's fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Um, probably, and, and here's kind of a cool angle on micro content that that not only is it easier to produce in general a piece of micro content, but um, it, it can get even more so if if you take the approach that um, the, the the Visage parent company, Column Five, kind of helped pioneer this uh, concept, at, at least as far as I'm I'm concerned, or as far as I'm aware. But you take a larger piece of seminal content that maybe takes you. Um, you know, some some serious thoughts, some serious research, and some some serious design resources to put together. So let's let's call this a white paper, right? So you have a thirty-page white paper, and throughout that white paper, you have all kinds of illustrations or diagrams or visual support to kind of augment the text copy that you've invested in writing, right? Um, so a, an interesting uh, approach to micro content is divisible content. So you're taking a larger piece of, uh, of, of content that may take you weeks or even months in terms of what your editorial calendar lo might look like, but you're able to extract these small mini uh, visual stories that are meant for uh, kind of getting people interested in the larger body of work. So in, in that way, they, they, they kind of entice the visitor or the reader or the user to dig deeper. So it's not, in a sense, replacing long-form content. It's complementary to long-form content or perhaps even is a promotion mechanism for a longer-form piece of content or a pillar piece of content, perhaps, that sits on your website. That's I, I think that's probably the most wicked and uh, efficient use of, uh, of the micro-content format is exactly that, yeah. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, this is I, you, you touched on something earlier that was really interesting. It, these these types of pieces are meant for almost instant comprehension. Um, you know, people's attention spans are so short. So if 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 we're serving them a seventeen page ebook um, versus a snack size piece of visual content. Um, 
the odds that they're going to understand and have that immediate aha moment or comprehension moment with the micro contents much higher. So by nature of the beast, micro content tends to be top of funnel content um, that then needs to lead or link to those, those more elaborate articles or other pieces of content that you really are designed to kind of elicit action um, once somebody actually kind of arrives at your site. Well, let's talk a little bit about how to produce micro content. I think in perhaps a moment we'll talk about the actual creation of micro content. But let's, I guess, take a step back from that and talk about the process that might go into actually devising what that micro content may become. What's the process? Do we start off with that pillar piece of content, what the real message is, you know, the real strong piece of content that perhaps lives and sits on our site and becomes what we base our marketing around. Is that where we start first and then work out how we, I think you use the word divisible content, how you divide content up afterwards. Is it that the process that we kind of start with the main piece and then we work our way out from there? That's right. That's the, that, that's a, a fantastic place to start, but we don't have to start there um, you know, one, one thing that's such a, such a cool part of the, the, the role of the marketer is um, experimentation and split testing and, and just kind of figuring out what people are interested in and what works. And one thing that micro content's so great for is that because of the amount of time that it takes to create versus other uh, formats of visual content. So it could just be an idea that you have in the shower or on your commute to work that you you want to experiment with and see if um, kind of it elicits uh, more interest than maybe something else um, with your readership. So that's one place you could start. Or like you said, you could start with a larger piece of work um, and kind of take the divisible content route. And the things that you're looking for when you take that approach are what are the most novel, interesting, hard-hitting uh, topics in this piece of work? You know, if, if let's say you have a, a, a very nicely designed visual presentation um, that you're looking at to kind of extract those micro stories from, the, if you had to boil that down to a one-page visual narrative from that 17 pages, those are the points in that first page that you're going to want to turn into micro content. Yeah, understood. I guess it's a process that really encourages the minimalists in us, right? Really sort of just drilling things down to the absolute essential message and information and presenting it in one very succinct piece of content for, you know, as you said, instant consumption. That's right. At the same time, it also um, provides an opportunity for us to kind of flex our creative muscle because um, while that is a pretty straightforward approach of kind of thinking about what's the most important hard-hitting thing in this larger piece of work that um, that I could visualize or that I could just have designed very easily. Um, you also want to take the opportunity to, to um, not just present like a data set without really editorializing it or a diagram or a construct without taking the opportunity to think about your audience and who this is going to because Oftentimes, there's a lot of opportunity to be clever with your headline, to be um, you know humorous, or to take kind of a different approach to how you actually write write any copy that's a part of that micro content. So you know, while it is certainly an easier approach to produce, it also gives us an opportunity to really get creative. 
Yeah. So where might we find ideas, assuming that we haven't gone for the major piece of content and created that into divisible piece of content afterwards? Where would we go for ideas to produce sort of standalone micro content pieces? Well, I mean, the first step, and this is kind of going to be the no dust statement of of the week, uh, is yeah, I would just recommend thinking about um, your target audience. That's where it always starts. And you know, look at you know, look at your editorial calendar, or, or kind of the if you if you have a running list of, of of topics that you're planning on writing on or blogging about, or um, you know, this is this is kind of the the fertile field of being able to kind of harvest those little nuggets of of uh, you know uh, ideas to be able to then visualize or, or get designed into micro content. So that's. That's always going to be your best bet. Is what what does my audience care about? What motivates them? Uh, what are interesting trends that I see in the business that I'm in? Um, and you know whether it's setting up a bunch of Google alerts to have those firing so that you can kind of see once in a while you'll you'll get an interesting hit on a you know on a data set or an angle that's novel to the space that you're in. That's that's really probably the best place to start. What about design tip? You mentioned that quite often the mistake is that people produce content that's kind of too cluttered visually. So what advice have you got for producing visually appealing micro content? Yeah, you know, I'm really glad you asked that question. Uh, I'm myself not a designer, but I've surrounded myself with uh, fantastic designers for almost the last 10 years. Um, and one of my co-founders at Visage, he's also happens to be one of the co-founders of Column Five, which is an information design agency uh, in uh, headquartered in Southern California. Uh, Ross has uh, he's he's not a designer, but the guy knows more about good design than any non-designer I've ever met. And he t- he told me one time, uh, this is probably only a year ago. He said eighty percent of good design is spacing, margins. And topography, and and I I didn't really get it when he first said it, and then I started watching, uh, and I started looking at pieces of micro content. I started looking at larger, more seminal, you know, illustrative pieces of work that our agency was putting out, that other agencies were putting out, and other individual practitioners were creating, and I realized that he was right. So, bringing this home as it relates to how. You know, when you're thinking about design and part, you know, particularly micro content, you want to keep it lean. You don't want to keep you. You do not want a cluttered piece because, again, that works against the point. The point in the first place, what you're the a priori of micro content is instant comprehension. Um, is, is immediately catching somebody's attention, and if they have to squint at this format of content that's four times as small as maybe other types of content. Um, and, you know, they're spending 30 seconds actually trying to read and digest what, you know, what you've designed and then you failed. How might you test that? Like, how would you know if that is instantly appealing? I'm just thinking of, you know, sort of scrolling down my screen, you know, each day and and the content that typically sort of stands out. That's probably a good test, right? If you sort of scroll past the content very quickly and you almost have to double check and, and look at it for a few seconds to digest it, it's probably failed its purpose. But if you can consume it instantly, it's probably doing its job. Would you say that's true? I would say that's true. And, you know, further, I think I think one, I mean, unless you're using some gnarly software to, to, to measure site analytics and, and having lots of kind of looking over people's shoulders and, 
uh, you know, let's just pretend we're not doing that. One really easy way to kind of validate um, the content that you're creating for marketing purposes is social proof. Um, you know, there's plenty of research out there that would suggest that visual content uh, opposed to just the written word gets so much more attention and, um, I guess, traction uh, than, you know, than just the written word. So I, I would recommend, um, as you're creating micro content, um, don't just use your own site, use social channels and kind of look at the, um, kind of the pickup and the traction that those pieces get versus maybe other posts, articles, tweets, or kind of, uh, yeah, you get what I mean. Okay, so let's move uh, conversation forward to talk about distribution. What are some of the channels where we can place micro content? Um, yeah, so I, I t- to answer that question, um, I, I'll give you two different perspectives. Um, one is, you know, kind of the perspective of the, of the agency. If you're running an agency and you're, uh, you know, part of, part of the exercise here is to get visibility for a client. Um, whether it's raising awareness, driving traffic, or, you know, eventually once you get those visitors back to a web property somewhere, having them take some type of an action, um, the kind of the approach to micro content for an agency that's representing a brand, um, might be, might be slightly different or just a bit more robust than maybe the individual practitioner that's managing, um, you know, a power blog or a website. Um, and here's why. Uh, one thing that we have noticed at Column 5 is that um, editors and journalists at publications have become more uh, hesitant to publish uh, third-party long-form content. However, they've been extremely receptive to really well-designed, thoughtful micro-content. So this, this uh, back to that kind of concept of divisible, uh, that, that divisible content uh, approach. This is a really good approach for agencies that have either a PR firm that they work with or really good relationships with publications to um, have micro content created that is associated with those larger campaigns. So from a distribution perspective for agencies, uh, media, um, in other words, third-party websites are a really interesting angle for micro content. Um, and that's, I guess that would also be the same for a brand direct. Like if you're, you know, a marketing, if you're a part of marketing leadership or a content content creator at a brand, that, that would also hold true. Um, so secondarily, um, all audiences or all folks that might be thinking of creating micro content for the purposes of marketing, social is going to be just a slam dunk, right? Right. Because... You know, as you as you kind of scroll through um, your Twitter feed, you notice the the visual posts. They jump out at you. They get more attention. Um, so that's that's definitely a an absolute no brainer. Is um, using micro content in social, and then um, and then finally, uh, one thing that we've seen a lot and that works really well is just using micro content to break up an article that you write. Um, so, you know, instead of writing a 180 word, 300 word article with just all text, create some micro content at certain key points to emphasize 
you know, um, something that you're saying or something that you're citing. Again, it could be a quote. Uh, it could be a data set. Um, you know, it could be a diagram that's illustrating, kind of visually representing the concept that you're writing about. So that's probably a really third good area is in, in terms of distribution is just using it in articles, uh, you know, that you write, whether they're on your own site or whether you have a contributorship somewhere um, or whether that piece is getting syndicated. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That That's awesome. A question I wanted to ask to follow up to that, especially in terms of, I guess, social shared micro content is, I guess, the worry that because micro content is so quickly consumable that it may not prove to be you know a really valid form of content to drive people to your website how can people get around that how can we use micro content to really drive traffic to a site and get people back to you know probably your pillar piece of content sitting on your own website well yeah that, that that's a fair question um but my thought is you know, you stack a good piece of micro content up against a long form piece of content in some of those classic distribution channels. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know what's going to elicit more interest. It's going to be the piece that, that that's more readily understood and doesn't, doesn't look like it requires a lot of work. You know, our brains move so fast. And so, you know, but they don't move so fast. They move fast enough to recognize a piece of visual content that's going to take that it's going to take a while to interpret, right? So, you know, the the tendency for um, somebody in one of these channels that's presented with that type of content is going to be, okay, that's a lot. Um, next, so so I, I I would argue that as a traffic generator. As a top of funnel tra traffic generator, you're, it, it, you're probably going to be served better with micro content than you will the full blown illustrative long form content that, you know, again, takes weeks or months to to actually create if you're doing good work. Yeah. And you're meeting the market in the mindset they're in, right? You know, when you're browsing through the Twitter stream, that's the content that you want. You want you go in there for a quick fix just to, you know, dip in and and take something away. And that's where that content is best served. And if it can act as a little doorway into your longer form content and spike interest, I guess it served exactly the purpose that we want it to serve. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I guess the next question is, can anyone do this? I know obviously design's an important factor. And as you mentioned, whilst design could be learned, not all of us have that skill set. Can anyone produce this types of content? And if they um, can, what sort of tools or you know other recommendations could you make to make life easier for someone wanting to produce this stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I, it's, it's a lot easier for the non-designer now to create micro content or even other formats of content than it was a few years ago. So there's there's several software applications or software platforms that can help with that. Um, we know that Illustrator is kind of the workhorse for the designer. And, and even if you spent the time to actually learn how to use Illustrator really well, that doesn't mean that what you're going to create is going to look good. <laughs> I, I know from personal <laughs> experience. So one, one example would be... Um, the company that um, we started, which is called Visage. So Visage is designed to help people become better data storytellers. That's the bottom line. Um, for now, it's focused on doing that via micro content. Um, we, we, we have a couple of other, uh, I guess, 
content formats that that work within the micro content paradigm. Um, but then there's also you know there's also other a couple of other um, software players that that also kind of focus on putting um, giving design tools to non-designers to help them create something that doesn't look like an absolute train wreck. Um, so that's that's definitely worth looking into um, if you're a non-designer and um, you're you know in the communications or marketing world and want to create micro content. Those that that's probably a good place to start is do some do some online research and look at Visage. Yeah, well, you'll know that sort of I found you through the Visage platform and we started using it not particularly for micro content. We're actually sort of using it primarily to produce beautiful branded SEO reports because everything that was available out there in our non-designer hands ended up just looking awful and didn't give us the data sets that we wanted to communicate. So we thought, first of all, let's be able to put in the data that we want to put it in. And then what tool can we find that will help us make this look pretty? We stumbled across Visage and it's been doing a great job for us. And I certainly see that if we really applied this to elsewhere in the business, be it our marketing, that we could um, leverage our very poor design skills, probably a lot further than we do (laughs) right now. Yeah. Well, charting is not easy. um, And it really never has been. Um, so what really what we endeavored to do is just in the early days is just create an application that was the easiest way to create beautiful charts on the planet. Um, so I think I think we've got a good start and we're on our way. And it's so cool to hear that that's how you're using um, using Visage. We we do find that you know uh, probably a third of our users are using it for that secondary use case, which is hey I want to create some really nice branded charts very quickly so that I can communicate those for reporting purposes to my clients or to internal stakeholders. So it's definitely a use case that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, I guess, wrap things up with some action steps. The term micro content may be new to people and perhaps it is the first time that we've kind of discussed it, at least on this show. Someone wanting to go out there and now produce some of this stuff, what should they do next? Perhaps one or two action steps for our listeners to close things out. Sure. Um, I, I would say um, do, in, do, do some inventory on the topics that you've been wanting to write about, that, that you've been wanting to talk about, um, maybe that you've already produced good-looking collateral around, and harvest those uh, artifacts um, or kind of your, your, your little mental file um, on, on what you want to write about to identify opportunities to tell really brief uh, high impact snack size stories. Uh, that is step number one. Um, step number two, uh, do a little bit of digging online and try to find um, some s- some applications if you're a non-designer that that will help you actually put that into practice once you've kind of organized your thinking. And then if you are a designer, um, then you probably already know what James and I are talking about, but um, you know, you don't have to do the second step because you're already an illustrator wizard. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. We'll wrap things up there. I'll make sure that, of course, we've got a link off to uh, Visage within the show notes and uh, any of the other resources mentioned in today's show. Jake, is there anyone else that our listeners should go connect with you online? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can reach out to us at visage.co. Um, other than that, James, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
Awesome to have you on and to you, the listener, to get all of the resources mentioned in today's show, a link off to Visage and uh, various ways to connect with uh, Jake online. Go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 72. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 72. So there you go. That was Jake Burkett from Visage. Thank you for listening in to episode 72 of Traffic Jam. We will be back, fingers crossed, next week with another show. So as not to miss that show as soon as it's released, please subscribe via iTunes by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes or subscribe on Stitcher Radio by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. Now for a direct link to all the bonuses that come with this episode, including MP3, downloadable transcript, plus a special bonus tools guide containing the very best tools on the internet for creating micro content, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 72. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 72, where of course you can also join in on the discussion for this episode. Now, we end the show as we do every week with a traffic jam chosen by our guest. Jake Burkett has chosen Untitled 4, a track by the Icelandic band Sit A Rose. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Well, anyway, enjoy the track and I'll see you back here for another episode real soon.
Traffic Jam Cast.com. It's all.